Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. What is up, College Across fans? You are watching another episode of the Lax Factor Podcast. I'm going to rip through this intro. We have Memorial Day weekend here. It's every lacrosse player's favorite weekend. We've got the ridiculous series of events that went down yesterday known as the NCAA lacrosse semifinal round. We had Duke and Virginia go into double OT and Virginia just showing that they can hustle and come back from anything. We have TD Erlin absolutely murking Penn State and their face-off crew. So as always, if you want to try to support us uh, and our college lacrosse season efforts, go to laxfactor.com. You can get swag. We have t-shirts, we have coffee mugs, we have shorts, all that crap. If you would like a chance to win this here jersey, America... Yeah, uh, all you got to do is comment down below. Make it just something thoughtful. One-word comments aren't going to get you in, but if it's something about the games this weekend, predictions, whatever, that will get you in. Uh, entered to win that. We're going to announce the winner on Tuesday morning's show, recapping the whole Final Four. And also, we're not done here once the college season ends. What we'll do as soon as the college season ends, we transition immediately into the MLL and PLL, so our coverage will continue. We're just going to move off of college lacrosse and onto pro lacrosse. I digress. Let's get into this. Okay, one thing I forgot to say, be sure to like and subscribe and hit the notification bell because that's how we kind of push these videos out and it's how other people find them. The very first game of the day was absolutely bonkers. Uh, Number three, the number three seed, Virginia, taking on the number two seed, Duke. For the first time in nearly a decade, we're going to have the Cavaliers playing for a national title. UVA and Duke went at it hard. They went at it hard for a hot minute, and it's just another damn nail-biter and another crazy game. One stat that I thought was insane, Duke had won 19 of the last 20 meetings over Virginia, and they had won the last 11. Now, Cuse fans, we like to make jokes about how Cuse Lacrosse owns Duke because over the last three years, we've beat them three times by one goal every time. And that technically over the last three years, Syracuse has owned Duke in that way. This is next level owning of a conference rival uh, to beat them 19 of the last 20 times. And now it's 19 of the last 21 times, but still uh, that was bonkers. And then in this game, just like Maryland with Virginia a week ago, Duke controlled this game for the better part of 50 minutes. They, you know, the first quarter was contested both ways a little bit. From early in the second quarter, right down to the last minute and 56 of this game, Duke was in control. Honestly, right down to the last 46 seconds of this game, Duke was in control of this game. And then this that no-quit heart of Virginia allowed Virginia to battle back into this game and uh, pull, out, pull out a crazy win. Quigley's goal... With 156 left, the shot clock was running down. Quigley takes a what we could define as a weak shot, and and to have that go in to give Duke a two point a two goal lead with 156 to play. To me, even though this is Virginia, and I knew they weren't out yet, to me that goal felt like it took the air out of the Cavs. Obviously, it didn't because they they came right back and kept kept fighting. But I felt like that was it. I honestly thought, oh, I got that pick wrong. Duke is going to the final, uh, going to the finals, and that wasn't the case because with 46 seconds left on the clock, Michael Krause 
gets a feed from Herring and sticks it with 46 seconds left to get Duke back to within one. And one side point I want to make here about Michael Krause, and I actually want to make the same point about Jackson Morrill for Yale. Coming into the season, Jackson Morrill and Michael Krause were their team's best players. And they still are, I think. I think both of those players, they draw the most attention. So even if they don't lead their team in points, I still think those two players are their team's best players. Guys like Michael Sowers, what makes him one of the best attackmen in the country and, and above most other attackmen is his ability to do everything. He can quarterback an offense, but he can play off ball. You'll see, you'll catch him sticking in dunks off the backside. You'll catch him playing on the high crease, you know, sticking shots. And that's what Krause and Jackson Morrill have added to their repertoires this year that they didn't maybe have years prior. Listen, they're lacrosse players. They could play off ball. My point is they have been playing off ball in league with guys like Matt Gaudet. I mean, you, you put these guys on the crease, they can finish. They just don't have to. And they're, they're so valuable to their teams as quarterbacks. They carry the ball more and they don't get those chances. But I think that for Kraus and Morrill, their evolution and, and why they've been so key to their teams down the stretch is their ability to take themselves out of that ball carrying role, out of that dodging role and play and not even just spot shooting roles, but playing in the trenches, playing on the crease, getting tough shots off on the crease. I digress. But that goal with 46 seconds left by Kraus, nice goal, uh, and just shows how, how valuable of a player he is. About a minute after Kraus's goal, uh, we end up with, and not even, obviously it couldn't be a minute after that, um, Laviano and Moore hook up and tie the game up. And what happened here was Duke got the ball back. Duke had the ball back, and they were ready to um, pretty much control the game, run the clock out, whatever Duke was going to do with that. They end up turning the ball over. They end up just an inexplicable. He tried to toss it over another guy, goes over the guy's head, goes out of bounds, and that gives Virginia the ball back. And this is the crazy part was that they scored with 15 seconds. You know, so here it looks like Duke has the ball, and I'm sitting here once again thinking, oh, this is it right here. That's painful. He throws the ball, Duke, the Duke kid throws the ball over the other guy's head, and now Conrad's rushing up the field with it. And uh, that ends up being a more to Laviano goal. And then that just sets up, and, and the point here too, Virginia down by two with a minute 56 left. They score the final three goals of regulation from the 156 point on. And uh, well, they score the final two goals of regulation and then the game winner in overtime. It, it's just crazy the balls that this, Maryland, uh, this uh, UVA squad has. All four of Laviano's goals came over the course of the last 15 minutes and six seconds of this game. So Laviano had a monster fourth quarter. He scored his first goal uh, with six seconds left in the third. Virginia does this a lot, scoring goals at the end of quarters. And then he scored the next three over the course of the fourth to help propel them to victory. Another little side point here. The, the key to Virginia's success so far has been they have a lot of heroes. It doesn't matter what the situ- situation is. They're, they have a guy who can step up. Is it going to be Matt Moore? He's stepped up before. He scored game-winning goals in overtime. Is it going to be Ian Laviano, which just proved tonight he could do that? Is it going to be Kraus? Is it going to be Conrad? I mean, you you just go through their roster. They've got six guys that can come up big for you in situations like this, and that has been their strength, and that's been why they have made it through. Another huge thing for UVA, and these are two guys I haven't talked about yet, and they deserve to be talked about. Alex Rode, 19 freaking saves for the kid. He had to have a big game against Duke here. He had to win the goalie battle against Turner Upgren, and he did. 19 saves, stand, stood on his head for the Cavs. Upgren, tough day. He had a tough day. 
especially early on. He had an incredible fourth quarter, though. He had ended up having five of his 10 saves over the course of the fourth quarter to tr- you know kind of help slow UVA down. He doesn't put up those saves over that fourth quarter. Totally different ball game. UVA uh, probably wins by three or four. Uh, yeah, you can say on the other side of it though, if he, if he had settled in before the fourth quarter, UVA doesn't even make their comeback and Duke rolls in this. It, it didn't happen though. And it's not his fault. UVA's offense is just an unrelenting whore and they never stop. Uh, another key to this game, PD LaSala, 18 to 30 draws against Smith. Smith scored a goal. I don't think LaSala did. Um, but LaSala played huge, you know, and that was one of the keys to this game was who was going to win the faceoff battle. LaSala got the better of Duke in this case here. Uh, stats, usual suspects for UVA, the Kraus one and four, Laviano four goals, Docs Aiken three and one, Matt Moore two and two, uh, Conrad two goals. So they went right down their roster and the guys who showed had, uh, who had to show showed Duke, Brad Smith showed one, uh, three and one Robertson and Carpenter, two and one Quigley and Smith, two goals, Montgomery, two assists. I would have liked to have seen Montgomery have a slightly bigger game. Uh, Virginia did a good job of kind of mixing things up and, and making life difficult for the Duke midfielders in general, because it's not often that you see an attack heavy, uh, scoring output like this out of Duke. And it happened here. So UVA, they look like a team of destiny. I, I keep thinking them dead in, during the course of games. I keep picking them. I've picked them right through here. I picked them to be in the finals. I picked them to lose in the finals to Penn State, sadly. But real quick, if you throw up my bracket, I'm not doing that bad. As you look at my bracket here, uh, I picked Loyola. I got that wrong, but Penn State uh, won, getting themselves to the final four. I had Yale in the final four. I had Virginia in the final four all along. I really butchered that bottom bracket down there with Hopkins because I had Hopkins losing to Virginia in the semifinals and it ended up being Duke. So I got, I butchered that one, but I didn't do too bad all in, but I keep thinking them dead during the course of their games and they just keep coming back and surprising the hell out of me. So kudos to Virginia, but now it shit gets real uh, for Virginia uh, on Monday with having to face Yale, Yale, number five seed playing number one, Penn state. And it was savagery out of TD Erlen from the very, very beginning of this game. Final score, 21, 17, it was ridiculous, though. T.D. Erlen, he goes 28 of 39 against the Penn State crew. I think that they had three other guys take fa- or one other guy take faceoffs. The freshman there for Yale, he lost all three. Arseri went 13 of 37, just not good enough. T.D. won and won and won. And when he won his draws, more importantly, he won possession and they got an offensive look out of that faceoff win. He did not give up the candy after winning the draws. He went down and turned those those one faceoffs into offensive possessions for Yale. And that was the key all day. Arseri battled, though. Uh, you know, even though he lost that battle, everybody pretty much loses the battles to TD Erlen except for Kyle Gallagher. But he lost the big battle in the end, the one that mattered the most. Um so he scores three goals, all three off three shots. Arseri did so that he battled back, and he's the, one of the reasons uh, uh, Penn State was able to kind of get back in this and continued to climb back to within three. Another talking point: my only knock on TD, and one thing I'd like to see him improve. Maybe he's going to have to uh, this weekend uh, on Monday against Virginia, but I'd like to see him improve it next year. Trevor Baptiste, if he lost a draw, he murdered. 
the arms and the hips and the knees of the other guy. He had that weird ice pick that he threw too. that. I just couldn't believe officials actually let him get away with it. Where Baptiste was next level. Baptiste was, was incredible at the draw. TD's better than Baptiste at the draw. TD, I think wins more faceoffs clean than Baptiste did. But the, the strength of Baptiste was in losing faceoffs or in losing draws, not even losing the faceoff yet. Like if he lost the draw and it looked like the other guy had to drop, on the ball, Baptiste would murder that guy and would end up winning the faceoffs more often than not. So I'd like to see TD get a little bit more physical in that way, and maybe he can talk to Baptiste. Baptiste is one of the nicest people on the face of the planet Earth, one of the most positive teammates you could have. So I would—I I just can't wait until TD's done with college, even though I don't want him to graduate yet because he's still got one more year left. I can't wait until he's done with college and joins Baptiste and the pros to see how that works because I bet you they end up with a ridiculously uh, – um, uh, fun to watch professional uh, relationship. So that the faceoff battle did not go Penn State's way. Yale, they jump out to a 10-1 lead at one point, 10-2 by the end of the first quarter, which was just the worst case scenario for Penn State. Jackson Morrill, he goes 2-2 two and two over the course of the first half. He went 3-2 and two in the game, 2-2 two and two over the course of the first half. He was key. And, you know, he's not the leading scorer on the day, uh, not even for his own team. But that three goals and two assists, they needed that. He quarterbacked the offense. He played off ball well. Jackson Morrill is the real deal. And one side note about Jackson Morrill, he's on pace. If he puts up 100, I forget, he has one game left here, and he's over 100 points. I want to say he's at 104 points right now, or 204 points over his career, which puts puts him at second all-time for Yale with one year to play uh, behind none other than... um, I'm just drawing a blank here for Yale's Twarton winner last year, Ben Reeves. Sitting right behind Ben Reeves, not right behind, he's 100 points behind Ben Reeves. I think Reeves was at 216, Morrill was at 204. So Morrill puts up 100 plus points next year, which it's not unreasonable to think that he could do that. He could end up becoming the all-time leading scorer at Yale over none other than freaking Ben Reeves. So this kid is the real deal. He doesn't get a lot of credit because he's not flashy. He just plays lacrosse, but the kid, there's nothing he can't do. He can play off ball. He can carry an offense. He can, he can dodge with the best of them. He can step down and shoot. This kid can do everything. So watch him both Monday and watch him next year. The kid is next level. Very exciting to watch. Uh, Matt Brandau, the freshman, uh, the second half of his year, he's been playing as good as any freshman in the country. He's right up there with, uh, guys like, um, I keep drawing blanks here because it's, it's late and, you know, we were had tons of lacrosse to watch. He's right up there with guys like Scanlon. Uh, um, um, who's the, the cat from Penn that I'm, uh, Handley, Sam Handley. So Brandau's one of the best freshmen in the country. And right now I dare say he's, you know, right there, top three freshmen in the country in terms of offensive production and importance to his team. But right now his team's still playing. The other guys' teams aren't. Brandau goes for seven goals, one assist, four of them over the course of the fourth quarter. And that, that was, once again, huge for Yale. And a lot of his goals, those four goals that he scored over the fourth quarter were goals that helped separate um, Yale from Penn State as things were getting, as, as Penn State kept trying to chip back and get within three goals. Amet, excellent game, three of five, three and five. But I think this game puts to rest the fact that, that Amet is in the same league as Pat Spencer in terms of the Twarton. Yes, his team beat Pat Spencer's team. Pat Spencer went off for six goals, five assists in that loss. He willed his team. It, it was only... Pat Spencer and I guess Stover a little bit that, that kept that even reasonable because it was just their wills that kept them in that game and kept that score from just being a total, absolute, just trash job. So Amet, great player. 
just did not have it. Like even where the, in the one-on-one matchups where he did try to impose his will, it did not go well. It did not go the way that it goes when Pat Spencer tries to impose his will on another team. And that's the difference. Yes. He still had three goals, five assists in this game. But once again, watch the game, watch the game. You watch Pat Spencer's six goals, five assists against Penn state. Watch Amen's three goals, five assists against, um, Yale here, they're not the same player. Pat Spencer is the Twarton winner, and I think this game solidified it. I think it. I think if Penn State wins this game and Amet was able to prove and impose his will on the other team, I think it's a different story. But some of these points were just kind of desperation comeback points, and once again, assist heavy. You are relying on somebody else for that point, and that that hurts when it comes to Twarton consideration, I believe. Dylan Folds, five goals, so he played tough. Spillane, one and four. O'Keefe scored three goals in the second quarter, and a huge key for Yale he scored, uh, uh, O'Keefe had three goals in the second quarter, none in the third and the fourth quarter. So credit to Yale for slowing him down. That helped them separate over the course of the second half as well. What else to say about it? 10 to two at the end of the f- first quarter. You know, that's all she wrote uh, with, with you go down 10 to two to Yale. I was amazed and I give credit to Penn state for battling back and for not giving up. That's a testament to these kids. It's a testament to Tambroni, to the program that they didn't give up. Obviously, they're not going to give up. My point just being that it didn't get to them, and I'm surprised they didn't get rolled worse, especially because of how the face-off battles rolled out. But that's partly Arseri continuing to fight. TD murked them in the first quarter, but Arseri and and crew did a little bit better over the course of the uh, second half in terms of face-offs, especially with Arseri scoring those three goals. So that was key. Uh, But So Penn State never gave up the fight, and I appreciate that, and that made the game a little bit more interesting. But man, TD, I don't, I don't even know if anything mattered the way that TD was playing. The kid is next level. Still not Twarton worthy, I don't think. I think that winning faceoffs, and especially that's all he does is wins faceoffs. I think that hurts him in, in that point. I think the, the Twarton is still Pat Spencer's award. But Jackson fucking Morrill, man, 93 points on the year with one game left. And I guess here's where I got my stats. 204 for his career, 106 goals, 98 assists. A guy named Ben Reeves, 316 points over his Yale career. So Morrill's that good. Morrill just is 110 points away from breaking Ben Reeves' all-time points record at Yale. And he's got a full game and one season to do it. So that's crazy. Uh, four Yale scores, just right down the list here. And this was the key. I'll actually get into the key after, but Brandau, seven goals, one assist. Morrill, three and two. Sesso, one and three. Jack Ty, two and two. Gaudet, two goals. And then they had four players go one on one and one. For Penn State, all at the top. Aim at three and five. Splane, one and four. Folds, five, five goals. They had a couple of guys fill it in. But the, the key here, O'Keefe, three goals. Kelly, two goals. The key here, though, was beyond TD Erlen, it was depth of scoring for Yale. They're, they have a chan- championship roster. It, when you really do look down the quality of their roster, the quality of the contributors, and it was one of the things I said last year, that this team grew around Ben Reeves. A lot of times when you see a team with a guy like Ben Reeves on it last year, they kind of live off of those guys often, but this team grew around him. And then this year they didn't have anyone, you know, there was, there was no clear man outside of everyone knowing that Jackson Morrill was their best player. This team has grown this year around their veteran leaders and they're going to be in just as good a shape next year. They're the depth of their scoring, the depth and quality all the way through their roster is key. Uh, Quint kept talking about how at practice they play like savages. Let me say Yale is like a bunch of, really intelligent playground bullies. They beat Penn State up. They played more physical. And I don't remember them playing that way last year during the regular season, but I remember in the playoff matchup against uh, Albany, 
And actually, it might have been the first round, the first time they played against Albany. I remember them beating the living shit out of Connor Fields for Albany and 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 Dehoga. So yeah, they play like a bunch of just junkyard dogs. Yale does. They are, and it kind of fits their bulldog mascot. They play like savages all the way through their roster. They beat people up. They win the hustle balls. That's going to be trouble for Virginia because that's been Virginia's game. And Yale plays this bully ball out hustle you game better than anybody. But this brings me to my pick. Who is my pick for the finals? And listen, I mean, nobody gives a shit in the end who my pick is, but my pick for the finals, Yale. I can't believe I'm saying this. And I picked Virginia all the way through. And I almost would have thought if, 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 Penn State got beat. Virginia's kind of been a team of destiny here so far, it seems. They keep looking like they're done done and down and out and sunk or whatever you want to call it, and they keep coming back and winning games. But, man, T.D. Erlen, I just don't see P.D. LaSala being able to handle T.D. Erlen any better than than Gerard Arceri and Penn State squad did. Now, they, now, Virginia does have good wings, and maybe the wing play can come into can, – can help a little bit, but I just see T.D. Erlen being too much – I see Yale's offense clicking on all cylinders. If Yale can play offense the way they did against Virginia or against Penn State, forget it. Like if Yale puts together another game like they did against Penn State, Virginia doesn't have a chance in hell of winning this ball game. Now the kicker being, that's why you play the ball games. You know, there is a a world in which Alex Road could stand on his head. There is a world in which the Virginia defense could put it together and try to take away some of the off ball um, goals that Yale is so good at scoring. Maybe they can cover the high crease a little more effectively, the backside a little more effectively. Who knows? You play the game because anything can happen, but my pick is going to be Yale by two goals uh, because of TD Erlen in the end here. I keep going with one goal games and it's worked. I'm going to go Yale by two goals. I think they're going to score an empty netter by the end of this game here. They're not going to turn the ball over where Duke did. That's the key in that Virginia game. Duke turned the ball over with the goal with road out of the cage on a 10 man ride with the ball uh, just on the other side at midfield. They were literally that close to the cage. He could have just taken a shot on cage there, sailed it over and they could have retained possession. He turns the ball over with the ball under a minute to play. You know, that was brutal. And I think that in the case, in the, in, in Yale's case or in, yeah, in Yale's case against UVA, that's not going to happen. They're going to be up by a goal late. They're going to score that empty net goal on Virginia and they're going to beat them. That's my prediction. Um, but as you look at the UVA playmakers, that's what it's going to come down to. It's going to be UVA playmakers versus the Yale's Yale's bullies. When you look at UVA's roster, UVA has more playmakers than Yale. UVA had has more playmakers than Penn State did. Yes, Penn State had Amat and O'Keefe. Yale has just a litany of no, former number one recruits. You go Michael Krause, you go Matt Moore. Actually, I don't know if Krause was a number one recruit, but he was he's nuts. You go Matt Moore, number one recruit coming out of high school. Ryan Conrad, number one recruit coming out of high school. Doc Aiken, number one recruit coming out of high school. These guys can play ball. So they have more playmakers than Penn State. They have an offense that's almost as formidable as Penn State's. The, the kicker being Penn State's is a system, and it's a system that evidently Yale figured out in terms of how to stop and how to outscore them. And Virginia, they're, they're helter-skelter, man. So there's not like a, a system of defense that you're going to run that's going to stop Virginia completely because they're going to score goals in transition. They're going to score man-up goals. They're going to score some six-on-six goals. Virginia is very capable. So even though I pick Yale because they're just bruisers and, and bruisers with finesse, I still think that UVA has the playmakers that they need to make this a game and make it a just a crazy, crazy finals come Monday. And really, that's it. 
That's it. I'm going to come back. I'll do a show. I'll record a show Monday night and then put that up early Tuesday morning. So be sure to come back and check on Tuesday morning. We'll put it up on YouTube and Facebook. As always, you want to support us, get some swag, laxfactor.com, and you can get yourself some shorts, t-shirts, coffee mugs, whatever. If you want to win this jersey that was gifted to us by tribelacrosse.com, just comment down below. We will announce the winner Tuesday. So this video is your last chance to get entered in to win this. And once again, guys, Thank you for watching. You guys have all really, I want to just say this for bragging rights. There isn't another podcast on YouTube that does the views that we do. I'm not sure there's another podcast in America outside of maybe Rabel that's doing, and, and maybe Barstool just because I think their platform's huge, but I'm not sure anyone's getting the attraction and the attention that you guys have given me, us. I say us, but it's really just me down here for the most part. So thank you. For, for watching these videos. You've made this season profitable for us. You've made this season fun for us. And you've put us in a position where we can now continue to do this through the summer and then into next year. Come next year, I'm going to have a sweet wood desk instead of my plastic jalopy. And uh, we'll continue to improve everything around me. We're going to try to bring some new people on board and try to get some other people involved making videos with us and for us. So again, thank you. Couldn't I wouldn't be sitting here if there wasn't someone listening and watching. So I thank you all from the bottom of my heart for paying any attention to me at all. Enjoy Monday's games. I'm going to enjoy a day at the movies with the family here today. Watch some D3, D2 lacrosse, and uh, that's it. Enjoy. Enjoy.